We are the number one podcast for self-empowerment, the go-to podcast for people that are tired of living as a lesser version of themselves and who are ready to make a change in their lives and those around them. If you're tired of kneecapping your growth and settling for less than you know you deserve, this is the podcast for you. We are way too spicy, and this is the Success System Podcast. Welcome back to the Success System Podcast, brought to you by Way Too Spicy and you, our supporters. On our last episode, we discussed the power of priming. If you haven't already heard it, we strongly recommend that you check it out and feel free to reach out to us about the numerous gems that we dropped on that episode. But with that being said, let's jump into this week's episode. We have gotten the pleasure to sit down and interview Ife Aya. She is a licensed mental health counselor and a clinical director. So sit back, relax, turn your volume up as Ife shares her journey with us. Ife, how are you today? I'm good. I loved your intro. Thank you for pronouncing my name perfectly. Oh, absolutely. And thank you for joining us today on this beautiful Saturday. Always. I appreciate you guys for inviting me. No problem. No problem. So tell us a little bit about your story. Can you give us an intro just for the audience to learn a little bit about who you are, what you, know, what you do, how you, how you got there? And we'll just leave it to, up to you to kind of start that. Okay. Um, so as you just uh, announced, my name is Aoife. Um, I'm a psychotherapist, a clinical director at a private practice right now. How did we get here? So it all here? started in 2003. And for those of you who don't know, that's fourth grade for me. So for me, I was always like the inquisitive, introspective, like questioning, skeptical kid growing up. Mm -hmm. And I always wondered about like the meaning of life. I always wondered about like, you know, why do people do what they do? So kind of like behavioral analysts. Um, I always kind of was curious about like how the brain works. Um, and, and, and just like, <clears throat> why were you curious or where did this interest come from when you were at fourth grade? Right. Cause that's something very specific. So, so I would say it was always part of my personality, mm -hmm. but I don't think I started applying the thought process until about fourth grade. Okay. Like if we go before fourth grade, I was the kid in kindergarten where like during nap time, I would ask the teacher like, why are we sleeping? <laughs> and right. Yeah. No, seriously, <laughs> like crazy story with that one where I, I got sent to the principal's office. My dad picked me up and he was like, why, why do they keep calling me? And I was like, well, all I asked the teacher was, why are we sleeping? What do you do when we're sleeping? And how come you don't sleep while we're do doing the sleep time? <laughs> As a kindergartner. All about questions. questions. All about questions. A kindergartner, right? A yeah. five-year-old. You're inquisitive. And so then they labeled me disruptive. Of course. Mm. And so that kind of was the label where I was disruptive. I was rebellious because yep. I would ask simple questions mm -hmm. like that. And they didn't like that. Or, you know, why is snack time always at five? Like, I don't, I don't understand that. What is I would try to be seeking knowledge. Mm -hmm. So I've always been like that. And it's always been problem well labeled as problematic throughout my life. But I think in fourth grade, I was like, there has to be something I could do with this kind of mindset. There has to be some reason. And the teachers aren't telling me. No. My parents are over me. <laughs> like, so I like to also read books. 
So that was kind of my um, outlet for a long time is like reading, going to the library and like just that would kind of stimulate me. Mm -hmm. And in school, ironically, I struggled with like focus and concentration, which after like testing, because back then everything was ADD, everything was ADHD. And they were like, something's wrong with her. And so my reluctant Nigerian parents ended up doing testing on me um, because the school was like, you guys are going to make her regress if you don't. And it turns out I'm advanced, and I just wasn't stimulated enough. Mm. Now, back then, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. No one told me that. My parents told me that when I was older, and I was like, that could have helped. <laughs> um, but I found that out later that I need to be stimulated to a certain degree or, like, my brain doesn't feel content or satisfaction. Okay. So, password. Back to the library. Yeah. So, I'm reading up on things, and I remember, like, reading a book and, like, there was like someone there that does advice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of what I already do with my my little friends, my little fourth grade friends. And I'm like, this is interesting. So that's where the thought process starts. Fast so I forward. have a question. Yes. <laughs> the advice, what type of advice were you giving like your fourth grade friend? <laughs> if you don't, you know, don't no, mind I don't mind. Mm-hmm. I want to try to be careful to 100%. not like Give out put their... everybody's story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had friends in fourth grade because I was at that time at a, a private Catholic school and majority of my friends were minorities because we were like one one of like, yeah. there was barely any. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would all have different issues culturally in their family system. So a lot of the time it was like us talking about our family systems and how we're going to cope through it on the day to day. And I don't know why, mm-hmm. but for some reason I would be kind of the point person. I know I was... Um, for a child, I was pretty good at active listening. Yep. And so I know that attracted some people, but also I was curious of like, how do I fix this? Like, it was like a puzzle for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, you know, maybe try this, maybe try this. And then some friends would come back and be like, hey, Changed you know, that, that kind of helped. Like, and then they'd be like, well, you fixed this. Why don't you fix this? Yeah. yeah. Well, did you get any of that type of feedback when you did give your, I did. your fourth grade friends advice? I did. Yeah. So they would say I was the, and you know, Aoife gives the best advice. <laughs> so I was that girl for the longest, which I was yeah. fine with. Yeah. Um, but it was a lot of deep trauma that these people were going through. I didn't know what trauma was. I didn't even know I was in trauma. I just know these are girls and boys that are going through a rough time, similar to how I'm going through a rough time, and there's no one there to help me, so maybe I could be that person to help them because that's what I need. And, again, I didn't realize this as a kid. I was just like, okay, we were kind of trauma bonding in the sense of, like, you feel alone, I feel alone. Like, let's try to figure this out as kids. And how did Um, that make you feel, right? When you were dealing with your own trauma and helping other people with their traumas, what did did that give you for your experience and emotional, like, health? Mm, I think for experience, it one thing I will say now that this has helped me with is I could probably spot somebody really quick without talking to them, without Mm -hmm. seeing them, just by their presentation. And there are some things that I tell people respectfully – School can't teach you that. Yeah. 100%. Like, 100%. school can tell you, like, okay, this is what it could look like. But when you've experienced it and when you've seen it on other people, it's immediately I'm like, oh, no. I can already see it walking in the room. Mm-hmm. I can already see what it looks like, how it carries itself. So that was, like, I guess the good thing. Because even in that moment with, like, fourth grade and stuff and moving forward, I kept meeting people 
like that. And I kept being attracted to those people mm-hmm. because, you know, they say hurt people, hurt people. And the trauma attracts trauma. Mm-hmm. And it's true. Like I just kept attracting what I know some people would have called like projects. And mm. that's kind of how my brain was, was mm-hmm. like, okay, this is another person who's alone. I can fix. This is another person who's alone. I can fix this. Yeah. But also I bit too much that I could chew, like, yeah. which was also problematic because I already had my own and I'm, I kept pouring out of an empty cup. Mm. 100%. And then you take cultural factors mm-hmm. where as – uh, the only daughter in a Nigerian family, I am groomed to be everything and anything for everyone but myself. Mm-hmm. So that kind of plays into part how I was with people as well, because at home I'm taking care of everybody. You know, I have brothers, love them. I have brothers, but I took, yeah. <laughs> I took care of them. I took care of them, and they will it. tell you I took care of them. Uh-huh. Right. That till this day, my my parents will be like, well, you know, they're, you're their second mom. And it's like, ma'am, I have never been pregnant. <laughs> These are your kids. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I understood from a cultural factor, but I would always kind of rebel a little bit yeah. because I'm just like, OK, what about me? And it's like, you're a woman. You're fine. <laughs> like They're like, you're good. Yeah. So that I also kind of got shaped into that mindset. Like me and my younger brother are uh, 10 years apart. So this is important because he was born when I was in fourth grade. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So now I'm, I'm, I'm taking care of a child. And it's not like my parents were negligent or anything. But again, culturally, I am part of the family system when yeah. someone is this young, of course, and me being the woman where this is my baby now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so in fourth grade, it kind of changed everything where it's like it parentified me in a yeah. way. You had to become adult. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was already on that path, but the moment he came, snap. You got, I know how to change diapers. Mm-hmm. The baby cries, ma'am, you are on baby duty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was kind of like a changing point where I'm just like, huh? What's going on? Yeah. Right. And how am I in this system and trying to understand the world around me? Yeah. Did it add to your stress for yourself? Because it sounds like when uh, you. Go ahead. I was going to say, I was kind of, for a long time, I was on autopilot. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, like, like in your own rat race, essentially? So when I say autopilot, it's like, okay, my family system is saying this is who I am, this is what I need to do, and it's just obligation. Like, yeah. it's just, like, every day, it's been normalized for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then here are my friends, and I'm the dependent, like, Aoife's the one to give advice, Aoife's the one to fix everything. Like, she's our helper. Yeah. That's an obligation. Right. And then you have school. So school is being neglected. And I'm like, listen, teacher, I have fish, bigger fish to fry here. There are people with real issues. Yeah. Yeah. And you are talking about basic math. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> okay. At uh, what point did you realize you were in this autopilot and realize that you need to just stop and really start filling your own cup? Yeah. Oh, so that then we're going to really have to fast forward. That mm-hmm. goes into senior year of high school. Uh, so senior year, as everybody knows, that's the year everybody's like, what are you doing with your life? Like, yep. what's going on? Like, yeah. people are trying to, like, redefine themselves, try to figure out where they're going to go, things of that nature. So basically, by senior year, all of my trauma symptoms had mani- fully manifested probably 10 times worse, mm-hmm. and I am just re- reacting more than I'm responding. And... um a lot of the trauma I personally experienced led me to be a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more angry. 
And um, I used to get into fights. And I remember someone at the school, shout out to Miss Crawford. Um, <laughs> someone at the school, she was always like, I call my beam of light. Yeah. But she was like, you know what, Ife, you, you can't fight the world. Like, no matter how good of a fighter is, mm-hmm. you can't fight everybody. You're mm-hmm. going to lose one day. And I was like, you know what, you might be onto something here. <laughs> you know? So I feel like that happened. And then I had like, so with my trauma, I think by senior year, I was so fed up. And, again, because I was such a skeptic of things, I was trying to seek out different belief systems to find a sense of purpose. Mm. Because in high school, I just, I didn't give a damn. I didn't have any sense of purpose. Even though in the back of my head, I was like, I could be a therapist. I didn't really care that much to do the groundwork that needed to be done at the time because I barely know if I want to live another day. Mm -hmm. You know, so... Senior year, I kind of went on this, like, something's got to give. And so my mom is a Christian, and she would always bring us to church and stuff like that. And I would always kind of resent that because I was like, I don't want to be here. But I said, okay, you have no options right now. Your GPA sucks. You can't keep beating people up. <laughs> like, your anger is, like, it. You're, it's too much stress. You don't have any more energy to give out, like, So you have to make a choice. So I remember senior year just, like, sobbing in my room from being depressed and just years of depression. So I had been depressed probably from, like, fifth grade, but even fourth grade. I was just really high-functioning depressed. Um, But, like, fourth grade all the way up to, like, maybe mid-senior year. Mm -hmm. And I remember, like, praying, like, you know, God, if you're real, help me because... If this doesn't work out, I don't want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. And just being really fed up and sobbing. I'm getting emotional right oh, now yeah, just thinking fine. about it. But No, it's okay. I was, like, really down and out. And um, I remember praying about it and then um, waking up with, like, a form of peace, which I had never felt peace in my life mm-hmm. until that day because of everything I had been through and just, again, being on autopilot that I was like, holy smokes, like, maybe God is real. And maybe this is my sign to say that even though I had went through all of this stuff, I don't have to be what I've been through. 100%. Mm. 100%. And um, so that kind of cult- catapulted a whole new thing. And then once I had that conversation with Miss Crawford, and uh, she was just like, you are so smart. Like, you know all that one teacher who sees you even 100%. when you don't see yourself? 100%. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she was just like, yo, you're so smart and you, you can't even see it. Like, I see you doing great things and you just need to focus. Like, mm-hmm. if you focus, I know you can do great things. And I was just like, okay. I got the peace from God. Miss Crawford saying some stuff. I was like, maybe this is something in my head. Yeah. That gave me some form of hope. I and I had never had hope. Mm-hmm. I had so, had hope for other people, mm-hmm. but never for myself. Mm-hmm. Since fourth grade. Yeah. Okay. And so I think that was the moment that, that kind of catapulted everything. And I was like, okay, if I am smart, then I should be able to turn this around. And you are smart. Um, right? yeah. Turns out I am smart. <laughs> <laughs> um because I remember, like, I saw a counselor, the the guidance counselor, um, and he was like, not he wasn't the guidance counselor. He was like the college prep counselor. Yep. 
And so he's like reading over all of my stuff. He was like, ma'am, you have a 2.0 GPA. He was like, your SAT scores is trash. He was like, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm going to be a therapist. And he was like, okay, so are you planning to apply to college? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, okay, but are you seeing these scores? And he's like, there's no way you're going to get into any schools are going to accept you with these scores. And I was, he was like, you probably might want to think of community college. And even community college, I don't think you're going to get in. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, I'm going to apply anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay, well, I wouldn't recommend this. Um, so I applied to places anyway. And all of them rejected me except for one. But they all, in what they said, was like, we loved your paper, but your paper doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, Based the intelligence we see not. in the paper mm-hmm. doesn't match up with your scores. So maybe if you get your SAT scores, like, everything will roll out. Um, I also, another motivator of change was I wanted to prove everybody wrong. Like, what do you mean I can't do something? 100%. You can't tell me that. 100%. Yeah. I was like, no. So when he said, like, like don't apply to stuff, I was like, I don't care. I'm going to do what I, I want. Yeah, um, same day. So I did end up applying to school. I got in because one person said the same thing of it's not matching, but we want to have an interview to understand why the heck it's not yeah, matching. Yeah. yeah, they're yeah. like, we don't get it. And um, so I went for the interview. I explained everything to them, and they were like, okay, we'll take the like math and English placement test mm-hmm. and to confirm it. Did great. <laughs> of course. <laughs> nice. Did great. Got in. That's also how I met this beautiful woman over here. She Love was my that. first roommate. Um, <laughs> Shout out to the roommate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shout out to the roommate. Yeah. So um, they gave me a chance. And I was like, I remember, again, I prayed. I was like, God, if you say I could really do this and I could change my life and I don't have to be that person, then you'll let me get into at least one school. Ends up being Newberry College. And I was like, very grateful. I was like, oh, my gosh. I'm not a failure. Also, I got a 3.4 my senior year. Mm, okay? Sure. Because I was like, I'm not Prove stupid. I was, yep, like, yeah. I was like, I was like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so once that happened, too, I said, oh, snap, maybe I can do this. And so I, I went to Newberry for like a year and a half, and then I transferred to Western Connecticut State University. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was in the psych department there, <laughs> did really well. Then after that, I got my master's and everything just the master's story is funny because I tried to do social work. I'm not a social worker, mm-hmm. yeah, but I tried to do social worker. And again, like I but tell I, us why you try to do social work, because I know we had yes, that conversation. Yes, yes. About, go ahead. So um, during my uh, senior year seminar at um, at Western, our professor was like, OK, guys telling us about the real life of, like, application after college. And he was basically like, listen, if you want to make more money, then you guys could do the social work route and you could still do therapy. And you just, it's more stable because Mm -hmm. social workers can, um, they can section and we can't section. So there are, like, more people desire that. And so I was like, okay, like, I'll just be under another title. It'll be fine. No, it's a whole other field. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, I applied for a social work program at Salem State. Uh, I did non-matriculated classes, so without the program, to show them that I could deal with their curriculum. Mm -hmm. And so I did that. I did well. But in that class, I hated it. 
I hated it so much. Um, and there's nothing wrong with social work. Yeah. It just didn't stimulate me. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. just didn't bring out any fire in me. And I was like, I don't really care about welfare and, and policy and yeah. all that. It's needed. But I don't want to be the person to do that. Yeah, and um, I just want to add on to because like give more insight, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody else told you what you should do with your life and you're like, you know what, let me take their advice, right? <laughs> that, that's what happened. Well, someone told me I was going to be broke and I right? said, yeah. whoa, I don't want to be hey, broke. They use fear with you, right? But at the end of the day, it never spoke to your heart at all. Still, no. right? You even went through it and you're like, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. And that's really just to kind of like remind the audience is like, yo, only you can decide what you're going to do with your life. Nobody else can decide that. And you have to sit down and really figure out what do you want to do and regardless of the, you know, problems the, the you know, th- that may arise, they're not really mm-hmm. problems. It's just you get to solve every single thing for the thing that you said you want to do. Yeah. But, and you just said something that really resonated with me, right? Where it's like that professor spoke to you through your fears and not to your heart. Exactly. And in your journey of pursuing whatever you want in life, you have to be very mindful of who you're listening to, right? Are they speaking life into your dreams, your goals, your aspirations? Or are they speaking life into the fears, the things that they think will stop you? That's the one right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he definitely fair mongered us. Yep. And I know he did it for with good intentions oh, because he was speaking on his experience right. and the other professors of like, if I knew what I knew then, yeah. like I would have went this route yeah, of course. because now I got three jobs. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And I was like, three jobs? Yeah. I don't want three jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was scary. Even when I was like doing psych um, in like regular undergrad, everybody was like scared for me, and they were like, "Oh my gosh, you know, psychology majors don't make money. <laughs> like that's basically like drama. Like yeah. you're gonna struggle, you're gonna be broke." Da da da. The Africans were livid. Oh, I'm sure. oh yeah, they oh, I'm were sure. livid. Like, there what was money's like, in this. <laughs> you're not a doctor. They're <laughs> like, you want to work <laughs> with crazy people? I'm like, they're not crazy. They Stop don't know calling any better. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they I will say, I was blessed to have parents yeah. who like. They were very culturally Nigerian, but they were like, we know how you operate and we know in whatever you do, you're You're going to be fine. fine. Mm -hmm. So if it's this psychology thing, we don't get it. But okay, (laughs) I love that. um, So they were just kind of like, it's it's fine. And I uh, I missed this part. Mm -hmm. So when I was in middle school, I made a 10 to 15 year plan. Uh, You did? I did. Wait, in what grade? Fifth grade. Fifth grade. Fifth grade. Oh. I'm very tired. Yeah, right? you, We're going to have to run walk, that back. Yeah, you you got to walk us through this. First of all, how did you even know about developing a 10 to 15, 15 year plan? plan. Yes, exactly. And what methodology did you use to, to create this? Yeah, what was your process? Okay. Yeah. Ask Jeeves. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know if y'all remember yeah. Ask Jeeves. Yes, we do. But because I was always in the library, like, that's where, that was my home for a while. Um but I would be on Ask Jeeves, and I didn't know therapists were therapists. I was just, like, person who gives advice, yeah. job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yes. And I found I found social work, too, and I found, like, all these things. But once I found, like, therapists, I said, okay, this sounds like what I could do. Like, this sounds like what I do with my friends. Obviously, I didn't understand the whole nuance of things. Yeah. But it sounded similar to, like, okay, what I already do and what I need and stuff like that. And so I was like, okay, how does one become this thing? Because I've I've never, yeah. So I think, also, I think there was a conflict with that, too, because culturally there was this stigma that, you know, 
therapists were bad and you're not supposed to talk to anybody about what goes on in the house and this mentality of like what stays at what happens at home stays at home mm-hmm. and I was like oh am I gonna become one of those those bad people mm-hmm. like I don't want to be yeah. one of those people so there was that conflict as well with what culture said versus what Ash Jeeves was telling me about yes. this position <laughs> yep. um, and so I remember I saw that and I also saw like um, advice columns mm-hmm. those were big back then and um, I was like, oh, I could, like, do one of these advice columns. This sounds cute. This sounds fun. Um, and so I actually did do that. <laughs> so I told him this story. And in, in fourth grade. I feel grade, so yeah. embarrassing. No, no. Yeah, no let, this let is, like, know. beautiful to hear. <laughs> I was going to say, this is so illegal. <laughs> um, but uh, in fifth grade, I created a free website with GoDaddy. Shout out to GoDaddy when it was free. Uh, <laughs> So I created a free website. It was called Pink Crystal. Mm-hmm. And it was like an advice column website. And like it gave you feel like free foot traffic and all of that stuff. It was really um it was really um like simple. They gave me like a free layout. I just probably changed the back. Again, because of MySpace, I knew a little bit of HTML and CSS coding. Yeah. Like so I was like, okay, like this is fine. Um so I did that, and then I told my friends at school about it, and I also, like, told some other people. But <laughs> I love that. Oh, I didn't tell them it was me. Everybody at Immaculate Conception, I am so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it's giving? XOXO gossip girl. But healthy, girl, girl. but healthy gossip girl. <laughs> <laughs> so I made it and I told everybody at school, I told anybody I could tell so like, have y'all heard about Pink Crystal? <laughs> like, and they're the like, no, I said, me. yeah. It's, I said, it's, it's an advice column and I'm like, and she helps you with your problems, oh, relationship, anything. I was like, she'll help you. And so people really <laughs> got on it and also random people on the internet with like real adults. And wow. I was like fifth grader, right? Writing, giving them answers. I got caught by my parents one time. They're like, "What is this?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Um, it's an advice column." They're like, "This is what you're up all night doing." So I really would stay up all night, like writing people back. Wow. And it would be awkward sometimes because friends would be like, "Yeah, so I wrote Pink Crystal and I told her about what's going on with so and so, and she told me to do this." I said, "Really?" <laughs> I was like, "Are you gonna do it?" And she's like, "Yeah," and it would work out. It would work wow. out. Um, but then, unfortunately, GoDaddy started making people pay for website usage, mm. and Pink Crystal got shut down. Yeah, and uh, but that was like I was like I like this. So then, when I got deeper, I was like, okay, I'm still not stimulated enough, mm-hmm. and that is when I was like, okay, let's go circle back to like this therapist thing. And I was like, well, how do you become a therapist? So I'm looking it up, and these websites are like, mm, you got to get your bachelor's, then you got to get your this, and they're saying like the education route. And I was like, okay, I'll just do that. Like, what is the yeah. median time? Mm-hmm. Um, of all of this. And so I made a plan based off of like what this one website had said, like you need educationally. And then I also wanted to get the license because they said, I saw private practice and they're like, if you do your license and you do your own private practice, you don't have to work for anybody. I was like, Oh yeah, I don't want to work for nobody. And so I wrote the plan down and I was like, this, this is it, you know, at this point. And I wrote a plan and it was on like a messy little white paper from the printer. And so when I did show my parents in the senior year, I was like, all right, y'all, this is, this, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Then we're going to do this. How they take that. 
they were like, okay, like she has a plan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's and different I, I, I really, and at that time too, I thought I was going to do PhD. That was before I, I knew entailed so much deep research. Mm-hmm. And I'm more of a practical person where I like to do the applied research rather than do the actual research. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then it was like PhD. And listen, that's music to Nigerian people's ears. They said, yeah. degree, degree, degree. Mm-hmm. We love it. We love it. <laughs> Doctrine? People can call you doctor. We love it. <laughs> so they were down. Um, but I followed it to a team minus I took one year off. And that is only because I didn't immediately get accepted to the social work school. But I think that was God saying, ma'am, this is not where I told you to go. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said mental health. Mm-hmm. You keep trying to sneak into the social work for money. Mm-hmm. And that's not where you belong. Yeah. So I did social work and I remember like I was so I'm I was so relentless where I would call the university like, why didn't y'all let me in? <laughs> and I would call the advisors and they'd be like, well, I said, what was wrong with the paper? They're like, your paper was great. So what's the issue? We just had a lot of applications. So what can I do to get in now? And I remember they said, well, if you get a job in the field and you show that you could do the classes. And I was like, OK, so I did both. <laughs> So I did the non-matricular classes, and then I got a job as a case manager in the field, and it was my my first uh, job, and it was it was a really hard job. It was in a transitional house, mm-hmm. a safe haven with women with chronic mental health disorders to the point that they cannot live a day to day life without assistance. Wow, um, that that was a. That was an experience. I love the ladies, but that was an experience in itself. And so I came back a year after that. All right. I did this, this, this. The paper is still popping. What's the problem? And so then the advisor, like, we had become cool because I would call, yeah, call them. Like, conversation. Yeah, I was like, it's me again, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I tried last term. <laughs> like, And so I tried probably for two semesters to try to get into social work. So fall and spring, and I didn't get in. I was livid. I was like... No, you're ruining the plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I love that you were relentless throughout yeah. the whole process. Yeah, I right? was I was not having it. I was like, when are y'all going to let me in? And I, I need to start this process. Yeah. We're behind yeah. a year. Yeah. You yeah. didn't take no for an answer. No. Yeah. That was one thing. thing about me. Like, you, you can't tell me no. Yeah. I'm, I always tell people, like, when I will find a loophole. Mm. Like, okay, all the colleges didn't let me in. Fine. Okay, I don't care. Yep. Somebody's going to let me in. It might not be you, but somebody's going to let me in. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, I'm, I I did the interview, and I explained it, and it went well, and I said, great. Like, whatever you need me to prove, I'll do it. And so by then, I feel like because how everything kept showing me that you can do this, no one could tell me no. It kept affirming this yep. belief that, okay, this is your path. This is your purpose. Mm-hmm. And um, so with the whole college thing, I had a, a friend at that job, um, the case manager job, and I kind of told she was, I was like, man, I'm not getting into these social work schools. I can't believe this. Um, and then she was kind of like, oh, you should apply to my school. And she was like, but it's for mental health counseling. And I was like, oh, I'm trying to do social work, girl. I'm not trying to do mental health counseling. And she was like, just apply. Like, it's really chill. The hours work with our work hours. Like, it'll be good. Shout out to Krisha. Um, and I was like, okay, I guess. She was like, the application fee is free. And that's really why I applied. I said, free? <laughs> All right. That's fine. Because the other ones were like $40, $50. And so I applied to that school. Immediately got in. <laughs> Immediately got in. And I said, God, what the heck? I was like, and then I was like, oh, okay, I see what's happening here. 
everything is happening. So, so it right? works well mm-hmm. when it's mental yep. health and yep. not when it's I was like, okay. Yeah. I was like, I see what you're doing, Lord. Um, so I did that. I went for an interview with them too. I said, well, let me just feel it out too. And it had everything I wanted. They had like a trauma focused track, like and everything I said, I was like, this is what I want to do. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to worry about money and finances. I'm going to do what I want to do mm-hmm. and whatever. I'm going to trust myself that I will find another way. I'll find a loophole to yep. be lucrative, yep. even in a field that is uh, apparently not lucrative. Right. But, but it is at the end of the day. Right. It the depends th- on how you go about the it. The thing is like the, the mental health field naturally isn't lucrative. There are certain paths where you want to get a high figure. Mm-hmm. Yes, that can happen. But most of them, you're not going to pay get paid what you're worth, which is sad. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. did have to go through that when I did entry-level jobs where you're getting paid chicken change and they are burning you out. Yep. Um, but for some reason, it's like unless you get the golden ticket, which is like the license, nobody respects you. Mm. Because once they know you can do it by yourself, mm-hmm. it's like... Okay, now we have to put put some respect because they could leave. They have options. Yeah. yeah. Whereas when yeah. you're unlicensed, they're like, you ain't got no options. <laughs> like, you're not going anywhere. We're like, you're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, I'll I'll just figure it out. And I I really just put my all into it. I put my faith into it, and I was like, I'm gonna do this. Um, and I I went with the plan. Once I got into the school, you know what I did because I'm so type A, and because. That year bothered me so much. I did an accelerated program. (laughs) And so I did summer sessions. So I got my master's done in like a year and a half. That's impressive. Thank you. I almost died. But But you didn't. (laughs) But you made it here. That's that's the one right there. I always tell people, I'm like, grad school will make you feel like you're going to die, but you're not going to die. But you're going to feel like you're going to die. I was just Um, on someone that yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So um, I did that. I made it through. I got my first uh, entry-level job. And even that one, again, I remember people like, he felt like, you're you're fresh in the field, you know. Don't go being picky with salaries. You just need to respect what you get. Yeah. You know, I'm like, no, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, no, I'm going to ask for this amount. And they're like, no, nobody gets this amount. And the first, I said, mm-hmm. well, and I remember asking my old boss, and I know she meant well, and she was just trying to not let me get my feelings hurt. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I'm going to ask for it anyway. And when I negotiated with this new job after they they gave it to me, yeah. okay. They gave it to me. Mostly also I knew they could afford it because that's another thing. I'm not going to ask what I think out of this world. I know you can afford it and it's what I want. And they were like, well, you just got out of school. I said, well, I've had experience two years before this and I've taken classes. So, no. <laughs> I was like, pay, pay me what you, you um, like. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. like, no. Those are also things that I did research on yeah. because I was like. You were prepared. Part of with this field thing and everybody's saying this, I said, there has to be a way to be able to be paid decently and be respected without having to, like, suffer. Yep. Yeah. Or at least suffer extensionally, because I understand, I do believe in working your way up. That's mm-hmm. what I did. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there sh- it shouldn't be that, like, fear-mongering, where most people, I'll ask them, like, did you negotiate? No. You they know, never do. I just got out of college, Ife. You know, I can't be picky. Yep. You know, jobs are scarce. Jobs are scarce, yes. But I said, you didn't even try. 100%. Mm-hmm. Like, why not even try? I said, if they say no, they say no, but why not even try? So I remember I did um, I did try. I prayed about it, and I was like, okay. I had a bunch of interviews lined up, and this one I said, if you can't pay me 
at least this amount, I cannot help you. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And um, they did. And it ended up working out. I worked at that job for three years. I took that evil test. I took that evil, the license exam test. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. That test was the bane of my existence because I took it twice. Again, I wasn't happy I had to take it twice. But a lot of people do have to take it more than once because I understood the test wasn't about how good of a therapist you are. It's how good how, at taking tests that you Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. It was about how much do you understand the strategy of the test 100%. and what it's supposed to be. And once I figured that out, I was like, I'm gay. But you see how flawed that is in that process, right? Because it's about eliminating a pool of people, in my opinion, yeah. based on what I can see, right? It's about limiting a pool of people so that you can limit the amount of professionals in that position, right, at mm-hmm. the end of the day. But that is not helping the overall goal of helping people, right? Right, right. Yeah. And I, I do understand, too, like, this is a business. 100%. Like, they're trying to, the harder they it make, is, the more money they make. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So exactly. I'm just like, okay. It, make, it makes sense. I get that part, but I'm like, you're hindering people who could be in this field and could be helping. But I know some actually, great therapists yeah. who didn't pass this test, and I'm like, this is madness. Yes. <laughs> Um, but I ended up passing after the second try, got the license. So the only thing I decided was that I wasn't going to do the PhD anymore. But yeah, we're on course, y'all. We I love on that. course. I work in private practice now. <laughs> and uh, I have my license. I'm doing what I want to do. Living no the one's life. bothering me. But yeah, like that's kind of how this whole thing happened. Um, yeah, so I was saying, like, that's how I got here professionally. As far as personally, yeah, that was a whole thing, dealing with childhood depression, anxiety. I, ha- I used to have really, really bad anxiety, PTSD, like, you name it, I had it. Mm-hmm. And um, ironically, what I learned when I went to school is I created my own treatment plan for myself. Mm-hmm. I love that. We want to take a moment to thank you, our supporters, for your continued support. Your support helps us keep creating valuable content and serving our audience. If you believe in our mission and would like to contribute to our cause, please consider making a donation. Your contribution will go a long way in helping us continue to produce high-quality content and to reach more people with our message. Every donation counts, no matter how small. It's your support that allows us to keep creating high-quality content that inspires and motivates people to succeed. If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to support us, please consider donating at least $1. That's less than the cost of your daily cup of coffee or your daily commute, but it can make a huge difference in helping us to keep the podcast going. To donate, simply click on the link at the bottom of this episode's description. Thank you for your generosity and support. Remember, we're always looking for feedback and suggestions from you, our audience. If there's a topic you would like us to cover or a guest you would like us to interview, please don't hesitate to reach out to us.